Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I am your host, Al Walsh, and we are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks Packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Back with us is Chris Dawson for the Week 14 Breakdown. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter there, at Cash Gritty. Once again, on Twitter, at Cash Gritty. Chris, how's everything going for you? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Indeed. All right, so uh, we're getting down to the final month of the NFL season. Before we get into that, how did Week 13 go for you? Um, It was a up-and-down week. Started out Thanksgiving going 4-1. and one of those wins being the Bills' money line. Great play, great play. Plus 235. Unfortunately, followed that up with a 0-4 Sunday and then 0-1 on Monday. Um, so 4-6 and six on the week, but thanks to the, uh, the Bills' money line and some um, other small plus EV plays, we're able to escape just down about one game. So you two are a Dan Bailey hater as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, um, you know, it's one of those weeks, that's how it goes, but you know, that's the importance of staying very disciplined with, with money management because sometimes, you know, unfortunate things are going to happen. Yeah, how, how do you feel about this? Because I, I feel like we've got a lot of kickers that are screwing lines up this year. Uh, any way that you kind of uh, take note of that or, you know, use that into your bets? Sure, I think it's very important to you know understand the kicking situation for every game and um, for over unders and of course for sides. So you know, I, I think you take it into uh, into your handicapping just as much as you would any other position. Uh, it is a very big position, so you know I, I don't think there's um, uh, any special you know tactic or anything like that to look for you know if the team has a good kicker or a bad kicker I, I think it should definitely be involved in your in your approach to the game i guess just to add a little bit to that you know it depends on uh, who who the team is what kind of offense they have and re- and you know the game overall it, it points you at a premium of course if it's a very um, defensive matchup between two teams then you know the kicking could could really determine who wins or loses and if you have of, you know, more offensive-minded teams like the Chiefs and things like that, then, then maybe they're able to make up for those mistakes that happen early. And um, so I don't think there's an absolute way to really judge the kicker situation. I think it needs to be uh, determined on a game-by-game basis. All right. So, uh, as always, I know that I ask you all the time, but uh, any, you know, you are our big film guy over here at Sports Predictor. So uh, any major takeaways that, uh, that we saw from Week 13? Um, you know, I don't know if it's a major takeaway, but you know, one of the things that I was kind of surprised at was um, the lack of effort for the the Browns, the Jaguars, the Jets, um, who were all still in the playoff hunt. And, and um, can we please add the Eagles into that as well? Yeah, well, you know, the Eagles at least played hard. Uh, you know, that there's kind of a difference, and and that's more about you know what you see when you do watch the whole game, uh, to where the Eagles, you know, that they 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 fought, they lost, and it was a kind of a 
a two-man show with Fitzpatrick and Parker just ripping them up, you know, throwing jump balls and making plays. Um, for the Browns, the Jaguars, and the Jets, I mean, they came out just kind of really flat, even though the Browns jumped off to a, a 10 nothing lead. They just looked a step behind in regards to, you know, flying to the ball and things like that, and it caught up to them. And it was just kind of surprising because of the situation that these three teams were in. Um, not so much, you know, just that they lost. You know, teams do lose and they get beat. Uh, but it seems like those three teams in particular just really came out flat-footed this week, and it was kind of surprising. I hear you. Well, I guess all of that, uh, my argument, I guess, goes to the Eagles' defense. But, you know, hey, the Fitzmagic going against us once again. Once again. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you know, the Dolphins are a tough team to handicap over the last, you know, six to eight weeks. They're, uh, they're very Mr. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles are still in the hunt, thankfully, because of the big loss that the Cowboys took on Thanksgiving. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, we will definitely get into that Eagles matchup as they, you know, will be on the Monday night game this week with a bit of interesting information coming in on that game earlier today. But we got to start it off with the Thursday night football game where we've got the Dallas Cowboys uh, coming off that uh, disappointing Thanksgiving loss. Well, disappointing to some, not necessarily for me and you, but uh, they'll be taking on the Bears here on Thursday Night Football, as I mentioned, with a total over at 43. Uh, what's kind of interesting about this game is that we've got two teams coming off a Thursday game, and obviously, you know, when you, when you play a Thursday game, you usually have, uh, you know, that extra time off. However, both teams played on Thanksgiving. They'll be going back at it. Uh, here on the Thursday night football matchup. So uh, any, anything in particular that we're looking for here? Well, you, you have to definitely take notice that um, no Van Der Esch again for the Cowboys defense. Um, he's possibly the most important player on that defense. You know, him and Jalen Smith combined uh, definitely lock up the middle and take away a lot of the short passing game that teams use with running backs and tight ends. On the Bears' side, they are again without their middle linebacker and play caller, Danny Trevathan. Um, I think that's worthy of taking note of. I do have a good angle in the game. Uh, unfortunately, not willing to give it away tonight on the podcast. Well, that's, but, why, that's why people sign up for the site. That's why people sign up for the site because, you know, it's a Thursday night game. Both teams 6-6. Six and six. It's a must win. The Bears have, you know, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Minnesota left on the schedule after the Cowboys um, so this is actually probably the easiest game left on their schedule. Do have something to give away to look for. Um, it could possibly be a free play, depending on if it all works out. All right. Because of what we mentioned earlier with the middle linebackers being out for, for both teams, um, one angle to look for is I see one of these halves going over uh, 21 points. Not real sure which half it'll be. It could possibly be both. But what we're going to look for is to see the first half. If the first half um, goes over the number, probably just stay away from the second half over. If the first half stays under 20 points, I'm going to be looking to take the second half over. Some of the reason for that is because of the linebacker play. I think that both coaches um, will have many things that they can do to exploit those things. Unfortunately, not a lot of trust in the Dallas or Chicago play callers to figure this out right away. So right, if it's uh, something that they're able to catch this week on film and take advantage of early, then maybe it's a missed play if the first half goes over. If it's something that takes them a half to figure out how to attack this, 
which really comes down to the Bears being able to run Jalen Smith out of the middle of the field and then exploit that void. So if it's not taken advantage of in the first half, I definitely think it takes advantage of in the second half. So if the first half comes in under 20 points, the second half over is a play. Love it, love it. And as you mentioned, <clears throat> Bears, very tough schedule. In fact, the toughest schedule remaining of any NFL team right now. Uh, the, obviously, they'll be hosting the Cowboys here on Thursday night. After that, they'll be traveling to Green Bay, hosting Kansas City, and then traveling to Minnesota to end the season. So uh, I wrote an article about this this week. And as I said, if the Bears make the playoffs and get that uh, one of those wild card bursts, they'll certainly earn it. So Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get into this uh, one o'clock window on Sunday because it is a dandy. And of course, it's going to get started off with the 49ers at the Saints. Now, we did see the Saints open up as three and a half point favorites. Uh, they have since gone down to two and a half. And we do have a total here at 44 and a half, which I feel is kind of low. Granted, yes, the 49ers defense is solid, as is the Saints defense at home. But uh, how do you feel about this total? Let's start off with that one. Uh, do you feel like this total is too low, or is it right where it needs to be? No, I think it's pretty sharp. And it's, as you alluded to, um, because of the defenses both being able to you know, create plays for losses and be pretty stout and uh, balanced between how they're able to stop the run and pass. And then, of course, the 49ers are, are extremely well against stopping the pass. Uh, they have the number one pass defense in the NFL. So um, I, I think the total set pretty fair because of the explosiveness that, you know, the Saints have and the 49ers now. It's kind of dangerous to take the under, but um, it's only going to take, you know, one zeroed quarter out to, to make it really hard to hit the over two. So I, I think it's a pretty sharp number and, and I don't have a play on it either way, but um, you know, I don't think it's too low The same or you know, the 49ers past defense has definitely proven themselves to be legit. Yeah, this is a, uh, you know, obviously a huge game in the NFC standings in terms of who's going to get that number one seed. Uh, I know for the 49ers so far, they obviously have the, uh, the tiebreaker loss there against the Seahawks. So that should be pretty interesting to see. But um, I, I don't know. I, I guess in terms of the spread, uh, any particular angle that you have here? Or do we have to wait for that uh, later in the week as well? No, no. We'll go ahead and give this one away. I All think right. it's a pretty, pretty logical play. Uh, we have the Saints coming in off some extra rest from playing on Thanksgiving. Yep, yep. Their offense has not looked good for the last two games. They've been you know, pretty inconsistent. Um, our history with Sean Payton and Drew Brees is that's usually not uh, very long lasting. So I do think that they're going to find some ways to score against the 49ers. Alvin Kamara's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield should really help slow down the uh, 49ers pass rush as well. So I think the saints definitely, um, definitely show up and look well against the 49ers and cover the number. Yeah. Not to mention too, this is, uh, you know, one game for the 49ers where they're in a string of a lot of tough matchups coming up here. So again, I, I felt like last week was the week that they were going to kind of mail it in. And uh, obviously, you know, they played hard there in the slop of Baltimore, but uh, yeah, this one's certainly going to be awesome. And I'm glad mm. that, you know, we're going to get to see two of the top NFC teams with, uh, you know, what no weather impediment here. We're just going to get to see them at their best. And something else to take note of is the 49ers played a very physical game last week and, you know, 
it, although I think all these guys play, they got Richard Sherman, D Ford, uh, the safety tart, uh, Joe Staley, Kittle. You know, they're all banged up and have been limited participants this week. And I'm sure they do play, but um, on Sunday. But sometimes even someone, uh, you know, starting to get banged up and dinged up a little bit, they're not playing at 100%. And that could also uh, come into effect. And that just goes back to reiterating that the Saints have had a couple extra days off this week. And at this time of the season, those days can be very valuable for uh, the team's overall health. I like that. I like that. It's it's going on the whiteboard as we speak. So Great. There, there we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, I guess it would be the undercard to the 1 o'clock uh, games here, but we've got the Ravens traveling up to Orchard Park. Ravens are five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. At the Bills, we've got a total of 43 here. Hey, if you like physical football, this is the matchup for you folks. So uh, what what exactly are we looking at in this one? Do you think the Bills could pull a second a straight outright victory this week? Yeah, I think the Bills are playing really well, um, as they have last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you've heard some bad things about their defense and stopping the run, but I think watching the tape, you see that some of those are just uh, anomalies that really aren't there. I think the Bills' defense is very good. They're you know, just as good as the Ravens, and having them play at home in front of Bills' mafia, I'm feeling like you know, the, the anything above four points right here is a little bit too much. So I'm going to be taking the Bills, and if they fatten up that money line enough, we may even be looking for the Bills to pull out a, a victory here. Uh, both teams are healthy. The Bills, after having um, New England lose last week and then also playing the Chiefs this week, uh, you would think that they kind of can be sniffing around, uh, possibly trying to steal this division. So they should be very motivated. Uh, the Ravens have played, you know, a couple games where everyone in the country is watching, and and that um, it takes a little bit of an emotional toll out of you as well. And just like the previous game we talked about, it's also worth noting that the Bills have a couple extra days off coming off of Thanksgiving. Yep. And um, again, as I just said, that you know they're pretty much 100% healthy, so it's going to be a close game. Um, be tough for the Bills to win it, but I definitely think it's going down to the wire. And anything above four points is is golden with me. Yeah, I like that. Bills actually 4-0-1 against the spread in their last five games. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of the a lot of the <clears> public <throat> has been saying, hey, you know, who who the Bills been playing this season? Well, obviously winning that game outright on uh, Thanksgiving Day certainly showed the people who they are. So this is, uh, I think this is a very interesting game here, and I'm glad that we're on the same side of that because I was feeling the same way, so. Yeah, good. I know. think it's a yeah good week for the Bills, and um again, I would like like to see them win the game. Um, and, and it'll add some more pressure to the overall playoff picture in regards to uh, number one seed and playoff standings too. If we get um, the Ravens another loss on the record, yeah, you're reading my mind too because obviously I was just going to ask you. You know, obviously there's you know they could put some pressure on the Patriots here too, who they're going to be playing the Chiefs, obviously, which we're going to get into that game, I'm sure, wholeheartedly. But uh, you know you got that, and then again, if the Ravens lose that one, there's just there's a lot of things that are at stake with that game. So uh, definitely looking forward to that one as well. All right, let's get to a little interconference matchup here. Now it might not be you know one of the most popular plays of the week, but I thought the line was very interesting. 
uh, possibly, you know, particularly the total here. So we've got the Indianapolis Colts traveling down to face my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks favored by three, which I did not see happening. Uh, we also saw the total start at 49 and a half, and we've seen it drop down to 46 and a half. So again, for the second straight week, we're seeing a total on the Bucks game start pretty high and then start to, you know, trickle down a lot lower than we saw here at the Open. Uh, any any reason for that that you see, or is this just the market adjusting? Um, well, the 49.5 um, did seem somewhat high, but you know, news is, of course, as we expected about T.Y. Hilton, that um, it's a 50-50 if he does play. And as we spoke of with the 49ers game, even if he does play, he's not 100%. This has greatly... Um, affected the Colts offense you know they want to run that power run game and it really works great whenever you at least have one weapon uh, who can make a defense pay for bringing up an extra guy into the box so even with him with him playing this week you just wonder if he's that kind of threat you've also spoke before about kicking uh, as you know just previously oh yeah we're talking to you Adam Venateri so Adam Vinatieri alone, you would think, could drive this down from 49 and a half to 46 and a half. Uh, that's, you know, that's one of his missed kicks right there. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not real big on the total either way here. We know that the Colts are, are able to establish run games that can really uh, chew up the clock. And the Buccaneers have been just um, just an inconsistent mess on offense. Uh, rather it be them scoring or giving points away. So I can see why they set it so high. There is a possibility that, it, you know, of course, that it goes over. And um, I can see why there's a lot of money coming in on the under as well. Uh, rather it be 49.5 or 46.5, that's just too difficult for me to call. I don't really have any kind of edge or intel that, that you know, gives me a very good read on the total. And we'll roll that rate into the actual point spread. I think it's um, a very hard game to predict for the simple fact is, you know, what Buccaneers team shows up this week and, you know, the Colts going on the road after a game that they lost basically because of their own self-destruction. So, you know, I think they play close to the vest going into an aggressive Buccaneers team that's really playing you know, just to prove that they're good at this point, they're they're out of the playoff hunt. So it's a tough game to predict. I I, I won't have any play on it. And I really don't have any kind of indication on even how the flow of the game will go. Um, so I doubt I'll make a play pregame or or halftime. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, last week we talked about that Buccaneers Jaguars game, and you know, I, I think the 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 common thought I guess with Buccaneers games is all right well of course Jameis Winston's going to be the one that turns the ball over well guess what Nick Foles turned the ball over three times in the first three possessions last week against the Buccaneers so it's just uh it's interesting to see you know that Buccaneers defense you know coming back uh we had Devin uh oh, it's my own team I can't even Hargraves yeah Hargraves kid yeah he's uh you know he's he's long gone from Tampa well not long gone but a week on but you know, again, just, you know, getting that getting that early, uh, you know, defensive touchdown there for the guys, you know, that, that certainly proved a factor. Uh, you know, I, I know we're going to eh, – I don't know if we're going to talk about the Jaguars here. I forgot. Oh, yeah, yes, we're definitely going to talk about them. But, you know, it's interesting that they're going back to Gardner-Michigan. But, um, yeah, definitely definitely hard to uh, 
you know, sort of forecast these Bucks games and how they go. Uh, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's talk about this Broncos at Texans game. Reason I want to talk about this is because Texans are coming off that major win on prime time uh, against the Patriots last week. Texans are nine and a half point favorites here against the Broncos, uh, forty one and a half total. So to me, this was pretty interesting to to divvy up here, right? So we've got a nine and a half point favorite, a total at forty one and a half, yet. This is a Broncos team that has been playing some pretty damn competitive ball of late. Uh, Drew Locke coming in last week, looking look at amazing, finding Cortland Sutton a couple times in the end zone. Uh, do you think the Broncos can cover this nine and a half here? Um, no, I, I definitely think it's possible. Not that I would put my money behind it. it. It's hard to put your money behind a team that's going to be playing a rookie quarterback on the road um, against a team that is right in the playoff hunt, but also needs to make sure they win this game. They're, they're far from secure at this time. Uh, so I wouldn't take the nine and a half. I'm also not willing to lay the nine and a half because we know that baby bill probably hasn't worked that hard this week. He's probably been partying <laughs> like a maniac after that big win. I it's like just that. A, I like that. You know, he comes out every week and I hate to bash the guy, but he, he, the guy looking over there still trying to figure out how to turn his headset on about <laughs> seven and a half minutes into the game. So, you know, and, um, and hey, the Texans, the Texans looked good um, against New England. You can't take anything away from them. But I, I don't want to lay the nine and a half here. I think this is a perfect example of hoping that I am correct. And the Texans come out uh, a little bit punch drunk. Maybe they go into the half down a touchdown or 10 points. I would love to try to find um, a way to get maybe the Texans, even if they were down, you know, 10 to 14 points at the half, um, getting them with some, you know, plus plus value to win the game, or even if they're down six or seven, trying to get them maybe a minus nine and a half at that point and, and driving it down to, you know, two or two and a half. But I, I'm not laying anything more uh, than, than two and a half points um, with the Texans just because of that big win last week. That's a real monkey off the back for them and that coaching staff. So you just wonder how focused they are on this Broncos team, especially with a look ahead of a division game the following week. Ah, that's right. At, uh, at Kansas City the following week. That's right. Yeah, Broncos, by the way, just, you know, not not to go against you here, but 5-2 and two against the spread uh, over their last seven. And again, too, you know, remember they had that heartbreaking loss there against the Jaguars all the way back in – uh, week four back at home and of course you know the one to the to the bears as well but yeah these uh these broncos they're they're pretty damn stingy right now so yeah i wouldn't be i mean I, it wouldn't you know blow me off the couch to see them go in there and catch this texas team sleeping and, and beat them um the texans you know they are they're looking ahead of multiple division games that are really going to decide their fate so you know i don't think the broncos beat them but i wouldn't be surprised if they catch them sleeping i think it's because of that that big win over new england all right all right uh in terms of the important games let's cap it off with this one and now granted neither of these teams are going to the playoffs but we did have a coaching change with the carolina panthers earlier this week uh ron rivera is out as carolina panthers coach uh, they will be traveling to Atlanta uh, to face a Falcons team that absolutely destroyed them a couple weeks ago. Falcons, three-point favorites in this one at home with a total of 47. Now, the one thing that was interesting to me is that we've seen NFL teams make head coaching changes uh, you know, during the season and then 
you know, granted, they might not be that great for the rest of the season, but that week that they make the coaching change, I feel like everyone's on high alert. Uh, do you see the Panthers kind of following this trend and uh, not only covering the spread, but winning outright in Atlanta? Um, no, I, I really don't. I have the Falcons circled here. I don't want to give anything uh, up more than the, the, the field goal. So uh, if, if I haven't punched my ticket in yet. There was a couple other angles I wanted to check out. So if it runs away from me and gets the three and a half or four, I'll probably set it out. But I'm okay with the Falcons minus three. Okay. Um, you know, back in back in my early days, I, I did follow um, the kind of rule that you know when a coach gets fired in professional sports, you usually see that team really step up. You know, for for various different reasons. But I think um, I think nowadays it's definitely not an absolute. I follow, you know, all the teams very closely, and this wasn't actually much of a surprise to me as others. Um, you know, I watch a lot of, try to watch a lot of local news press conferences and things like that, and even though it's been somewhat because of the losing streak, Ron Rivera's seemed kind of out of character, uh, just in regards to the shortness with the local media and things over the last couple weeks. So even though, you know, everyone's coming off as this being a big surprise, I think there's been whispers in those in those hallways for a while. And um, yeah, and I think it was kind of due and it was lingering over the team regardless in this situation as we continue to to evaluate it. Also, the Panthers had that little hot streak when Cam Newton sat down and we rode through that with them. But once the teams and defensive coordinators had multiple game tape on Kyle Allen, they've really been able to expose his weaknesses. And, um, you know, the Panthers kind of slowly faded uh, from being directly in the playoff picture to completely out. I think they're, you know, this is an off week for them. I think they come into Atlanta uh, very, very flat and they get ran out of there. Interesting. Interesting. So to all my uh, hometown listeners here in the New York, New Jersey area, there's been so much speculation that Ron Rivera is going to be the perfect uh, fill-in for uh, the New York Giants when uh, Pat Shermer eventually gets fired. Do you believe that that's the case? I you know, it's rumors. It's kind of early, so I don't know if he'll end up the Giants coach. I do think someone's going to hire him as a head coach, and, and you know, I've watched all of his games, so a lot of people have him rated a little bit higher than I do. I kind of have him middle as the pack. Okay. Um, if you're kind of, uh, I think if it depends on who the candidates are, if if I would want to hire him to run my organization or not. Um, his in-game adjustments are, are, are not that great. You know, he, he's a good defensive schemer uh, on the big picture of building a defensive team and then an overall philosophy for that team as the year goes, you know, for the overall of the year. But as the year goes on and games go on, it seems that he seems to be a step ahead and sometimes making his adjustments. And in today's football with all the analytics and, you know, tendencies that these teams can track, I think it's very important. Um, to be able to make those proper adjustments. And that's actually one of the main reasons they let him go is because I guess his lack of um, analytics, you know, he's kind of been anti-analytics and they felt like that's affecting uh, the team. So, you know, that's one of the reasons he's gone. He's an okay coach though, depending on where he went and what their options are would depend on how I would grade that as being a positive or negative move for the organization. Riverboat Ron, not down with the analytics. Who would have guessed? Who would have (laughs) guessed 
goodness. All right, so in this 1 o'clock window, we have four games remaining that we haven't talked about. Uh, I, I put them out there to you on the notes, but uh, we've got the Redskins at the Packers, Packers, major favorites, Lions at the Vikings, major fa- uh, Vikings are major favorites, um, you know, Dolphins at the Jets, Jets are five-point favorites, Bengals at the Browns, Browns are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. So essentially, we've got a lot of heavy home favorites here. Uh, any any game any games of this bunch in particular that uh, you know maybe that you see something in? Yeah, yeah, I have one here. We'll we'll throw out as a free play. It's okay. definitely um, definitely one I'll be putting some money behind, and it's the the Bengals at Cleveland over. Okay. Um, and I actually you know I'm not real sure what it's at right this moment. You know our notes have it at from forty two and a half to forty yep. and a half. It, it, it doesn't really matter to me. I would anything <laughs> under 44 is fine. And my reason for that is the Bengals got that win last week, um, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But for their rookie head coach, I bet you it was a big deal. And he's probably feeling pretty good about himself. They, they dumped very, the water, the Gatorade on him. After yeah, they dumped it on him. <laughs> and, um, hey, you know, they, it's been a struggle. And uh, it's, you know, not just their first win of the year, but that's his first career win. Yep. So I know that there was, you know, some Twitter buzz and how corny it was that they did that. But the fact that it's his first career win, that that's acceptable to me. And um, But to get back to, to my angle in the game, uh, the Browns took a devastating loss to the Pittsburgh you know, Steelers that they really needed last week. And they just um, didn't really uh, have much effort as that game went on. And then to reiterate about the Bengals' big win, I, I think both of these offensive coaches come out and play really aggressive and loose on offense. Um, so I, I think it's going to be one of those old-school uh, Bengals-Browns games, but not really in regards to the trenches. I think it'll be a modern-day shootout. And we see this one getting up um, with both teams scoring over 25 points. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, both games in this Ohio series actually went pretty damn high last year. Uh, so you've certainly got that. Any, any, like, you've got to be loving this, it, you know, seeing the total drop two whole points in this one. Uh, any any reason why you think that it would? Um. No, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not real sure. Maybe there's um, an injury or something that that they're factoring in. I don't really think this early in the week on this game that it's money moving it. So there's there there's probably a little tidbit there and um, of of noise, but I, I'm not real worried about you know the actual uh, the, a small injury or something that doesn't change my factor. Like I said, I, I'm planning on this being well above the number. I'm not looking at this being. You know, a, a ten points a quarter game. I, I think we're. Um, you know, I don't want to be too bold and say we're going to get into the sixties, but uh, mm-hmm. me calling for both teams to score over twenty-five kind of gives you an indication that I think we blow the number out. And I, I, my angle for that is much more of the overall psy- psyche of the team coming into this game, uh, especially the two head coaches. I like it. I like it. All right, it's already on the whiteboard. Boom. There we go. Uh, all right, real quick, I just wanted to ask you just personally, Lions at Vikings, I know 13-point uh, spread. We got the total there at 43. Uh, you know, Grant, uh, we already know that Driscoll is going to be out, I guess, for the rest of the season. He's been placed on IR. Uh, do you think the Vikings steamroll the Lions in this one? Um, I think they steamroll them, but I, I don't really want to make much of a prediction on the spread. No, fair enough, fair enough. They had a um, – they had a prime time, and um, 
back and forth uh, game in regards to their matchup with Seattle. Um, they're at home, so I, I don't think the Lions really get too close to winning this one. But it's one of those normal worrisome that you know we saw the Vikings kind of just tank that first half against Denver, uh, and Denver made a couple plays to really keep momentum. So that's a little bit of a worrisome thing here, one way or the other. Uh, you know, maybe they come out a little flat after that big game against Seattle, and then have to close this one out late. Or maybe they come out and uh, really jump on the lines and then kind of coast through the second half against the um, Lions offense that's had some pretty aggressive play calling now that they're, you know, out of the season. And, you know, we would hate to get a backdoor cover. So nothing really at all I'm watching for here. This would be similar to the Broncos at Vikings. If for some reason you get some crazy great deal on the Vikings at the halftime, maybe take that. But there's nothing else to see here. All right, David Blau, just lay down. Lay down, my friend. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't do anything crazy. All right, now, I know everyone's been waiting for this one. Uh, we're going to kick off the 4 o'clock window, obviously, with the Chiefs at the Patriots. Patriots, three and a, or, I'm sorry, three-point favorites here with the total at 48.5. Obviously, Patriots coming off that, uh, I guess we could call it an embarrassing loss there on primetime. And then the Chiefs just absolutely blowing away the Raiders at home uh, last week. So, Definitely some revenge factor. The Patriots took down the Chiefs in two very close games last season, including the AFC Championship. Are the Chiefs the better team in this one? It's you. You can't not bet the Chiefs right here getting three points against the Patriots. So, um, no, we're going to make this you know a free play as well. I'm Boom. jumping on uh, jumping on the public bus. I think everyone's betting the Chiefs this week because yeah. of. What we saw from New England, going and I on think the, the issues, folks, going on the whiteboard. I think the issues that we see with New England are legit. I think they're definitely having offensive problems, and um, but the main—I wouldn't say the main reason, but a reason I really like this Chiefs game as well—is Andy Reid is exceptional coming off of a bye week. Oh, now, this yeah. was not his bye week. Last week right. was the game he came off the bye week. <laughs> he had to use nothing, you know. <laughs> handicapping Andy Reid since since the beginning of his time is that he had every play prepared in sequences for the, that game against the Raiders. The game was basically over within six or seven minutes. He was able to put that away, pick up his Madden controller, call plays at will, and not really have to use much of his you know game planning or show what he's been working on on the bye week. I think he was able to save a lot of packages and plays that he no one has seen this year that he planned on using last week, did not have to use them. So he's kind of ahead of the curve coming into this one in regards to drawing up an offensive game plan. Uh, the Chiefs as a whole were just ready to explode last week against the Raiders. And even though the score indicated that they did, they, they just really never had to pick up their energy to that kind of level. Uh, the Raiders kind of handed the game to them. So, I think they come into New England just really wide-eyed and then ready to score some points on offense. Um, and the question, of course, is can New England keep up? And they've given us no indication or evidence that they're going to be able to uh, match the Chiefs scoring in this one, even if the Chiefs only put up, you know, 21 to 27. Right. And I, you know, I know that it's, I guess it's kind of a scary proposition to look at last season, but... I mean, when you look at those two matchups, I mean, the Chiefs were right there, you know, like a, a couple fluky bounces here or there, and the you know we can see the Chiefs in the play or in the Super Bowl last season. So, 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely love that. And even the season beforehand, we saw Alex Smith even go right into Foxborough and waltz his way up and down the field against that Patriots team. So I, I, I really do love that factor that you brought up that, you know, the Chiefs really did not have to use a lot of their, you know, their, their primary artillery, if we want to call it that, uh, you know, against the Raiders last week. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's always important to you know look at the the games, the team's previous game, and then of course the the look ahead that they're looking at as well. And a lot of times we we do that just by the score and uh, not so much of a good storyline of of what went on in the game. And anyone who watched the Chiefs Raiders game, it was you know um, offensively the Chiefs didn't have to show much. The the Raiders offense was very very bad and a lot of penalties on the defense early on and. Um, and then from there, the players just gave up effort, and the Chiefs really had to had to not show anything or, or you know give up any kind of um, any kind of game plan offensively or defensively. And I I think that's an important thing that uh, people don't understand really about coaching and play calling is you know some of these play callers are, are aggressively uh, holding plays back and they play with very limited packages for as long as they can. You know at least the good ones like Andy Reid, and um, he's learned over the years that. Uh, you know, he's got stacks and stacks of uh, folders and playbooks and everything else, and, and he's more than willing to crack them open and reinvent his offense from one week to the next. Yes, definitely looking forward to that one. And again, once again, so glad that we're on the same side here. All right, let's get to this one. I think we both got some interest here. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, surprisingly, are three-point favorites at the Oakland Raiders this week. We got a total of 47. Now, I'm actually in a couple hours. I'm leaving for Nashville. So, do you got any dirty words that you want me to tell to the uh, to the Tennessee faithful while I'm out there? Not this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe maybe next year. This isn't um, you know the Raiders. We've been talking about them a lot over the last couple of weeks, and the roster is just breaking down. You know, it's only year two in Gruden's rebuild. Um, I've reiterated this over and over that. Uh, the, the starters to begin the season on both sides of the ball were, were um, capable and formidable, but right now there was you know not much of a two and three depth behind that, and it's, it's really starting to break down. Mm, interesting. So when we when we look at that roster breakdown, do you feel like we can get over this total of forty seven, or what do you think there? And I'm not much so much on the total, but I'm also not against the Raiders 100% this week. So I guess to finish up the handicapping, it's a little too early to make um, a prediction on the game. Well, the main reason for that is Trent Brown, Gabe Washington, and uh, Rodney Hudson have all been really dealing with some lingering injuries. They've been limited participants this week in practice. This is almost a do-or-die game for the Raiders in regards to their wild-card life. So I do expect all three to play. Um, but until we get confirmation on that, it, it's hard to really judge what to expect from the Raiders. And the Titans, we kind of have the same story with um, with Henry and uh, Adam Humphreys, both um, being limited participants this week in practice. Uh, the, the, those are really the two playmakers who have been making that offense go. So um, until we get some more injury um, injury clarification, not ready to make a prediction on this, but it will be very interesting to see um, 
how this game plays out because it's always hard to win in Oakland no matter uh, who they field in regards to players. So it is kind of surprising to see the Titans giving up the three points. And uh, I, I handicapped the Raiders very well. Rather, I take them or bet against them. So I do expect to have a play on this game. But, but we need to see how the injuries shake out uh, over the next day and a half. You are our uh, resident Raiders advisor, so nobody better to trust here than that. All right, so two games left in the in the four o'clock window that we haven't talked about. Um, I guess we can kind of combine them if you want. But uh, Steelers two and a half point favorites at the Cardinals, Chargers three point favorites at the Jags. Uh, we've got two road favorites here. Uh, either one of these in particular intrigue you, or I don't know, do both? I don't know. I'm not so much interested in the Chargers Jaguars, so we'll skip over that one. All right. I'll give out a free play on the Steelers Cardinals. Oh my God, folks, you're getting all the goods here today. I, ho- I, hope, you're, of course, I hope you're this... thankful after Thanksgiving weekend. I, I really do. And of course, you know, I think this is a game that you know some people could have a problem handicapping because it's it's a tough game to handicap. You have a dismal Arizona squad that's played very bad. As, as of late uh, with a surging Steelers team that just refuses to lose. Yeah, I was going to say, too, the Cardinals coming off the bye last week. They, they were yeah. not ready to go. Yeah, think, they're I, a mess. But I think Kingsbury was allowing his guys too much cell phone time last week. It's hard to say what he's, what he's doing. I, I, you know, I, I don't – I don't want to write him off too too soon, but um, to put the the play I like for the game isn't so much on the uh, the full game because the Cardinals will probably self destruct at some point because of how bad they have looked, and for the simple fact of the Steelers playing very vanilla on offense, especially early in games. Um, I think a good bet right here is the Cardinals' first half money line. Okay, I think they come out and look somewhat. Um, resemble a crisp offense, if you could say that, um, at least for the first drive or two. And they're able to kind of jump on the Steelers. Can they hang on and win late? I can't really say. It's it's very, very doubtful, I guess you could say, just depending on how much of a lead they can get in the first half. Uh, but I do feel like a lot of times when we see two teams that play really, really bad uh, for two weeks in a row, which is also an angle that I'm looking at with the Raiders this week, um, we usually expect them to come out um, and be somewhat disciplined and prepared, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I like the Cardinals' first half money line. Dig it, dig it. All right, let us go to the Sunday night game, which is pretty damn interesting itself. Uh, we just saw the Seahawks, you know, miraculously get another uh, victory this season. I, I, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but. Uh, just to kick it off, Seahawks actually opened as two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm seeing them now as uh, one-point underdogs. Uh, very, very massive change that we see here in the market on that. Uh, total at 40. Sure, I initially had it at 48-and-a-half, but now I see it at 46-and-a-half. Um, what, what is going on here? And can the Seahawks continue to be this lucky for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, it's definitely possible. You know, they, they've had seasons like this in the in the past. Um, it's a tough game to handicap. It's a division game, and it, you know, anything could really happen in this one, from it going down to the wire to where I could see either one blowing the other one out. I don't really have a final determination on any um, pre-game bets that I will be making, but this one definitely falls in line. Uh, with a game that I think that you will have 
opportunities more than once to get in on either side at plus plus three or more points just because I think it'll be similar, maybe not in as high a scoring, but in regards to the game that we saw with the Seahawks and the Vikings. Um, either one of these teams could jump out to a 10 or 14 nothing lead and the other one can easily get that rate back. So this is definitely one that I'll more than likely have a pregame play on. Uh, it's early in the week and also in the middle of basketball season. So the Sundays and Mondays are, are usually last on my list to take care of since I have a little bit of extra time before I get to them. And then also uh, um, the only reason I would want to jump on it earlier, if I was con- uh, worried about losing lines, i.e. one way or, or another, but uh, this one, I don't, I don't really think that the uh, two and a half or one point is going to make much difference. Um, I think more than likely we see either one of these teams win by four plus points um, just for the simple fact that both coaches like to be kind of aggressive when playing in these division games and not settle for field goals. So I wouldn't be shocked to see either one of these teams, uh, even if it was that close late, rolling the dice on a fourth and short or a fourth and goal, trying to go ahead and get that one score lead. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. Not really a, a pregame prediction. I'm ready to make it this time. I do think this is a great game for live betting, though, if there is a side that you want, but not real confident in getting nothing with them other than for them to win the game. I think if you're patient and you wait till the end of the first quarter or till halftime, you have a good chance of getting uh, either one of them, but, you know, plus four or more points. So since I have one of these freakishly good minds uh, or memories, uh, way back when these two teams played each other on Thursday Night Football, I believe it was back in September or early October, um, and one of the reasons that I remember this is because you you mentioned, you said, Ed, you know, I, after halftime, I love the over on this game. Uh, and I remember because it was one of my best scores of the entire season. So uh, do you see a, a similar type of situation happen with these two teams? I know, I know, I think... I know that you just said both teams or both, uh, both these coaches are going to be, they could be very aggressive. Well, I think that's a double-edged sword. And, and uh, just to reiterate, it's what I said before. It may not be the same in regards to as high scoring as we saw in the Seahawks-Vikings. I think this total is um, is very dark to read. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, if you know one of these teams jumps out 10 nothing in the game in 17-10. to 10. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we did get up into the 30s. So I, I, I think the total, you know, I wouldn't call it sharp at all. I would call it a guessing game at this point. Uh, they're division foes, and, and depending on you know the coordinators and, and who has um, the best reads, we could see a defensive game or we could see an offensive game. I think the pace of the game is very hard to predict. All right. All right, let's cap it off. Monday Night Football. It's how we always do it. It's how the league does it. Uh, Giants at Eagles. Eagles, this is what's interesting to me here. So Eagles, I've seen on one site, 10-point favorites. Uh, uh, here in New Jersey, home of the New York Giants, as weird as it sounds, uh, Giants are nine and a half point dogs. Are they trying to lure the Giants betters into going that way? Uh, now we we've got news that Daniel Jones is probably going to be after this game, which puts Eli Manning back in the mix. Eli Manning with a career 500 mark, which is bizarre uh, throughout his illustrious career. Uh, the same amount of wins, the same amount of losses. Who the hell ever would have guessed it? But any any edge in this game on Monday night? 
Um, at this point, you know, in the way the Eagles' defense uh, played against Miami, um, it's really hard to lay those points, even though they are at home on Monday night. No way I'm taking the Giants in this spot because it's hard to tell um, <laughs> what they look like showing up. I, I do think that Eli Manning is probably going to compete the best he can. I don't think he comes in there thinking, you know, why throw me in now like he did last year. Um, I do think he values his playing time. and I don't think he wants to be done. So maybe he sees this as an opportunity, um, as a little bit of an audition. But the Eagles, I mean, they should be mad. And, and Ray yeah. just really rip into something this week. Um, you know, it'd be highly doubtful that they lose this game. So it's you know not nothing I want to do with the points. It's one of those ones, although I don't expect it to happen, um, maybe best off to wait to the half and see if you can get the Eagles for something under four points. You know, I really wouldn't want to lay anything more than that with them. And probably the only way for that to happen is if we see the Giants maybe up 7-10 to 10 at the half. And I think that's unlikely. So, unfortunately, probably going to have to watch this one and hope that, you know, maybe um, maybe there's a couple early turnovers or something that gives the Giants an early lead and then get a deal on the Eagles at the half. Um, but, you know, that, that would be about the only way I'd probably bet this one. I don't really see much in regards to the total. Um and, and again, the eight and a half is just too much either way. So uh, I wouldn't even really like the Eagles at six and a half here, to tell you the truth. Wow. Wow. Big news for the Monday night folks out there. Well, hey, look, you know, it's crazy. Uh, Eagles Giants is a big deal in this in this neck of the woods. But uh, yeah, to the rest of the country, they're probably just like, I don't know. Man, just, just give us a good show. You know, that's that's all anyone's looking for. By the way, I, I heard a stat that Eli Manning, 10 and 20 career against the eagles so i don't know hmm. i don't know if that if that'll help one way or the other yeah it's um you know and again we'll all be watching and um it's monday night so uh i haven't checked the nba schedule to see what kind of competition there is for 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 my attention but you know more than likely i'll be watching and i think it's important to you know always be ready to pull the trigger if a play is available and um hope that you know there can be something found that night that we can make some money. Yeah, I mean, how don't, don't we always bet on Monday night football? <laughs> Usually we try, we try as hard as we can. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have something, gotta have a prop that or something. All right, folks, this is the sports yeah. predictor podcast. Uh, we were just talking with Chris Dawson. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's a damn good follow uh, at cash gritty. Uh, he's always giving out free picks and all of his thoughts and whatnot. So, Always make sure you do that. Once again, on Twitter, at Cash Gritty. When you follow Cash Gritty, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Predictor HQ. Once again, on Twitter, at Predictor HQ. Go to sportspredictor.com. Get all of those great sports picks packages that we have from all those long-term winning bettors. Uh, a lot of success going on here this season, so make sure you get in. Chris, any closing thoughts for uh, Week 14 before we get into it? Well, I think if you're if you're watching and paying close attention and working hard, these are the weeks where there's um, lots of money to be made because of all the injuries and player and coach movement, um, emotional and psychological things taking place. I think it's easy, but for people who like to throw darts at a board and uh, try to go off a of name recognition, it can be um, a slippery slope. So uh, handicap carefully and enjoy the week. 
All right, great. As always, you can find Chris's stuff on sportspredictor.com, so make sure you go there. All right, Chris, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, so. Have a good night. All right, later, everyone. <laughs>